Welcome to the Pharmacy Quality Solutions Quality Corner Show, where we talk quality of healthcare and explore what that actually means. Let's dig into performance measurements, the equipped platform, pharmacy goals, and personal goals. We will also occasionally cover topical healthcare news and maybe throw into the conversation a few of our own nerdy passions and hobbies. So turn us up. The Quality Corner Show starts now. Hello, Quality Corner Show listeners. This is your host, Nick Dorich, and we welcome you to the next episode of the Quality Corner Show. Recently, we have talked about how to improve, how to learn about quality measures, and how to start the year with success. We would like to continue today's show and talk about how to stay current with education. A few episodes ago, I spoke with Zach Renfro about the oath of the pharmacist and how it relates to quality. The oath includes a commitment to ongoing education and the need for innovations in education. And for today's episode, we're gonna dive into that further. To enhance this discussion, we are bringing in some subject matter expertise. So please allow me to introduce Shannon Staten. Shannon, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Nick. I'm happy to be here. Excellent. So Shannon, before we get into the robust discussion for today, let's get to know you. What is your background in pharmacy and what do you do in your day-to-day activities? So sure, sounds good. I'm the Director of Education and Clinical Programs at Core Higher Education Group, which is a sister company of RX Insider. Um, I have a PharmD from the University of St. Joseph School of Pharmacy, as well as an MBA and a Bachelor's of Science in Business from URI. Um, I worked in community pharmacy for about five years, and I was a technician, intern, um, then a pharmacist. But in my last year of rotation, um, I did an API rotation, an elective, at RX Insider. Um, and post-graduation, I knew that I wanted to be in the business world. So I had an opportunity to take a chance and begin working at Arx Insider as a project manager. Um, we built a course for sales and mar- marketing professionals on the pharmacy industry. And from there, we recognized an opportunity to provide an e-learning platform, an LMS, um, with content specifically for different, um, different segments in the market, for you know, the pharmacy industry, for pharmacy higher education, and then for some other institutions such as health systems, Um, and businesses in the market as well. So the platform is not CE, it's for bite-sized micro e-learning, and it particularly helps to supplement pharmacy and other health science programs with remote learning. Um, That's our big focus right now. So I've been with CORE for four years, um, and I also serve on the opioid task force for the city of New Bedford, um, and have, you know, participated in various roles in the past for RIPA and AMCP. Excellent. Thank you for those additional details, Shannon. With that, we're going to go ahead and jump into our discussion for today, and we're going to talk about effective techniques and opportunities for pharmacists, pharmacy professionals, and student pharmacists as it relates to their education. So speaking on behalf of myself, I graduated from pharmacy school uh, about 10 years ago, uh, which makes me feel a little bit older than I would like to admit. Uh, In my conversations with student pharmacists, I've seen that didactic learning courses have changed quite a bit since I completed pharmacy school. In addition, learning for pharmacists has also changed. So what would you say are best practices for education, be it either for pharmacists or student pharmacists? What are some of the best methods for learning? And I think this is especially important now as we're talking about an era with COVID where there's not as many in-person opportunities to learn. Yeah, so there, there aren't as many in, 
in-person opportunities to learn, you know, with the situation that's going on right now. Um, but e-learning, you know, remote learning, um, having that really specific micro-learning um, should be a part of the conversation even beyond, you know, this, this situation. Um, it's an easy way to access content and then to track for compliance. I would say the best, the best practices would be to have those remote learning tools as a part of that conversation so that students can log on anywhere, anytime, whether it's on their phone, um, on their laptop, on their iPad, and access specific content before they get in person um, and actually have some more time for some hands-on training. So, you know, our, the platform that we have, you know, similar to other types of platforms in the market, um, but it's an easy way for students and other professionals to access content. And then um, whoever is tracking that content can track for compliance. So there's an accountability aspect. So that's what I would say in terms of best practices, um, that remote learning should be a part of the conversation. And Shannon, does the, you'd mentioned whether uh, in the introduction, whether it was bite-sized or micro learning, does that type of short mm -hmm. format really help in terms of um, making the content more, I don't want to say more attractive or more appealing to the learner, be it a student or a pharmacist, but does that help it fit in better with a busy schedule or other opportunities um, being able to check for compliance so you can create kind of stepwise learning and, and create more opportunities to go in, get a piece of education, but then go back to addressing other, other items. Is that more of a trend that we're seeing with education now? Exactly. You, you know, that, that's, that's a perfect way to, um, to explain it. It needs to be bite-sized. It needs to be engaging. It needs to be digital um, just so that somebody can get in there, um, take that quick piece, and then they can access it again if they want to revisit it later, but they're not committing to a full hour. Um, you know, they're committing to 10 minutes, which is what people want now. They want to just commit short amounts of time um, and then be able to access it later if, if they if they want to. Yeah, in a prior part of my career, I did CE administration for an organization, and it was interesting. A lot of the trends, and I know your information is not CE, but one of the things mm -hmm. that I found out when it came to learning or administering CE was that a lot of adult learning was moving towards shorter content. Part of that is just okay. the human, human brain, and we were able to better absorb and retain information if done in short sections. Uh, we don't like to, to think that we have a short attention span, but that is that is somewhat true, right? So having the short content really helps us learn it and it become more for that education piece. So that I like too. to see that organizations like yours are taking somewhat of an approach, um, blending in different elements to make it effective learning. So we'll go on to our, our second question, if, if that's okay here. And at this mm -hmm. time, we're doing a lot of uh, physical and social distancing. We see and hear about different ways to increase connectivity despite the physical distance that's between us. So we've seen a lot of different ways uh, that people can learn in a non-face-to-face -face setting uh, for education. Uh, however, there's some big differences between doing distance learning and doing effective distance learning, like the key word there being it being done effectively. So what tendencies uh, can you talk about to help improve value of online or e-learning classes, video chat, video instruction? Are there best practices? Because with a lot of content on the internet that we can access, there's ways that it can be accessed, but it doesn't really mean we're absorbing it. So what are your recommendations so that it's a, an effective experience for everyone? 
So in order to make it effective, you know, you need to have a few different pieces. Um, I would say that you need to have bite-sized modular training that can be customized based on what the teacher or, you know, what that instructor um, wants to, to get across. So um, if it's short, then it's easier to make, you know, say a playlist of different types of activities so that students are all doing the same thing. Um, another big thing is to keep it standard when you're doing, you know, an e-learning type experience. And then when you have that discussion, everyone has the same, they've absorbed the same content. And then that discussion can be more productive um, because people are bringing their own reflections to the table. So you have that, that e-learning component where everyone is on their own, you know, taking that standard learning. And then when they get together, then there's some more value in that, that video chat where everyone is on the same page and those discussions can be a little bit stronger. Thanks, Shannon. So with that information, if a learner wants to get more information, get more detail, they've really learned a lot from the topic, but they want to have a deeper dive or expand their education on that topic or to related topics, uh, are there effective ways to, to do that? Are there modules or other ways that they can learn more information about it? Yeah, so that, that's a good point that you bring up. And I'm going to use an example here. So um, with our platform, which is Readiness, we create custom learning centers. Um, for pharmacy schools, we have a lot of content that you can add into your learning center as a pharmacy school. Um, you know, some pharmacy schools, they only want to add specific things, but the library is really massive. So you can have, you know, standard training, and then your students also have access to all of this other content where they can take a deeper dive. So really, you know, it's those students that are going to take the next step or those professionals that are going to take the next step. Yes, there's tons of you know, like I said, standard training that they can take, but then there's, they have um, the opportunity to access a lot of different things so that they can further their learning in areas that they're actually interested in. Um, so, you know, I use readiness as an example, um, but that, that happens on a lot of other types of platforms or other resources that are very similar, um, such as LinkedIn learning. You know, if you're interested in in sales and marketing, you can take a playlist on something, but then there's other opportunities available. Um, it's just really up to that person to take the initiative. So if you are interested in a specific topic, then you can take that deeper dive. Yeah, and especially if there's good content, that's more likely to have mm -hmm. the learner uh, looking for more information that's like that. Uh, whether it be kind of same authors, same kind of content that's created, same type of format. So it becomes very, mm -hmm. it becomes very um, habitual for us to be interested in that same type of content, want to learn more. Uh, so being able to tie those pieces together, have that spider web of education opportunities becomes really integral uh, for the e-learning type of community that's out there. So Shannon, we've talked about this from the learning perspective here so far from the, the student or the person that's being educated, but there's another perspective and that relates to the educator and their perspective as it relates to e-learning and, and other opportunities. So again, whether it's for uh, pharmacy students or whether it's for, for pharmacists and whether they're part of an organization or association that's trying to promote education on uh, different topics, there's some considerations there that can be taken into effect. So once courses and classes are created, uh, how can educators create a good, you know, how do they help create a schedule or activities? Mm -hmm. um, what tools are recommended for educators? And again, whether it's 
related to pharmacy, pharmacy school or whether it's related to certificate programs or other items that may be more applicable for pharmacists. And maybe you have some examples of what that may be like, but what, what are effective tools from a teacher perspective so that online or e-learning can be done effectively? That's a great question. So there's tons of content out there, um, but it's, it needs to be structured and organized in a way that, you know, it, it makes sense to the learner and it's, it makes sense for the teacher as well. So there needs to be, you know, some sort of playlist functionality. So whether that's within readiness, we have a nice playlist tool there, or whether you're just taking different resources online, it needs to be structured and organized in a, in a way that you're not just sending someone all over the place um, to look for content. So I would say from an educator's perspective, they need to be, you know, putting themselves in the, the shoes of that learner and making sure that they can go through a specific like a learning journey um, and, and structure it that way. I think that, that that's kind of a key thing and why we even built the readiness platform is that there's tons of content out there, but how do you make it organized? How do you structure it right? How do you aggregate it and consolidate it so that it makes sense, um, so that it's presented clearly? Um, and that's really, you know, the educator's job is to find that content, but then to structure it in a way where it's, it's easy for them to to learn and you're not confusing people especially in this distance learning we need things to be simple and um, easy and in you know in that learning journey Shannon whether this relates to just our current situation with with COVID or more broadly one item I'd be interested to see or understand um, relates to technology and, and education and the e-learning part here, there's always a, a common thought that it's the younger generations that are more in tune with technology and more willing to accept that. With um, e-learning type, types of specifics, do we see that same trend or is this really across the spectrum for student pharmacists and pharmacists that they find the e-learning um, capabilities to be useful? I would say that you know it's way beyond students. So it's going to be actually, you know, professionals, those that want to continue their, their learning, you graduate, and then you get a job, you know, you need that lifelong learning in order to, um, to better yourself and to grow in your career. Um, so I would say that that's, you know, people are always, professionals are always looking for ways that they can improve and learn new skills. So that's, that's an integral piece way beyond being a student. Um, it's just that mindset of being a lifelong learner. Yeah, Shannon, that's great. Thank you for that. It's uh, certainly important for us to consider if we're not learning or growing, expanding something else uh, that's in our, our mindset. Uh, there are certainly others that may be doing may be doing so, and we want to make sure that we're staying on top of our, our mm -hmm. professional practice and keeping that top of mind. So, well, Shannon, I greatly appreciate your time and, and today and your dedication to furthering pharmacy, the pharmacy industry. I know you referenced it earlier in your introduction that this isn't just about pharmacists or student pharmacists. It's really about the entire pharmacy profession. We don't do this on our own. You and I are both pharmacists individually, but we, we, we work with a lot of people that are not pharmacists and that contribute a lot of important skill sets to help further uh, pharmacy. And I think that's an important item to call out. I, I would say here, it's important for us to recognize that just as we as pharmacists are educating are, are, are being educated rather, um, improving our clinical care, our approach with patients. It's also important for us to educate those that are not pharmacists about what we do, 
the services that pharmacists provide and how we can improve patient care. So I think that's an important aspect. And, and if that's something that, uh, you know, the group has or, or doesn't have already, it's certainly worthwhile for, for consideration about how to help inform others about what is uh, effective learning with pharmacy. Um, so aside from that, and I do have some just some other questions, something that I think about, especially day to day right now during COVID, I find that I like to keep a pretty strict routine just to keep myself on mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and moving forward. So for me, that comes to having routines in the morning, routines, you know, at lunchtime when I'm taking a little bit of a break away from the laptop, routines at work when everything is done. How does that tie in with education? Are there better times to jump on and do some e-learning? We learn more effectively in morning or at night. It would be great to have some additional understanding as it relates to this topic. Yeah, that's a great question. And and I, I agree with you, you know, we, keeping a schedule is, is key. Um, so, you know, in the morning, personally, I like to, you know, go for a run and then do a little bit of e-learning and it helps me to get my day started on the right foot. So, you know, it's kind of like a mind and body thing. Um, I would say at night, though, um, also a good time, you know, when you're, you're shutting down for the day and you just, you're getting ready for the next day. So afternoon, no, but you know whether it works for you in the morning or at night, um, as long as it's that consistent schedule, I think that's key. Yeah, that certainly is. And uh, it's, it's you know funny, we talk about effectiveness, morning, at night, how, how to be effective. You, you kind of reference there that you know afternoon may, may not work as good. I know some of my team members know that usually around three o'clock or so is when I tend to be a little bit kind of lagging. I need that extra cup of coffee. I need mm -hmm. that wake up. So certainly understanding ourselves, it, it can be, the point being, it can be different each person to person in terms of what's effective for them. Mm -hmm. It's more so about knowing yourself rather than just a, a broad spectrum answer that's there. Shannon, I really appreciated your time here today. The summary answers that we discussed are based on your informed opinion, your review, and your experience with education. Over time, some of that may change as more information is made available about effective learning and as more people really begin to use e-learning tools. But before we completely close the show today, I'd like to see from your perspective if you have a message for pharmacy. We've been talking the last few weeks with our guests to see if they can share or respond with a comment, any well wishes for pharmacy, pharmacy partners, and pharmacy professionals. Is there anything you'd like to remind our listeners relating either to education or more broadly about the importance of being a pharmacist in providing patient care. Yeah, so I really appreciate being on the show. Thank you both for inviting me to to be on the podcast today. Um, I I truly appreciate the opportunity. I guess just to leave every everyone, all these pharmacists, you know, thank you so much for being on the front lines and you know take this opportunity to to grow and um, to be an even better pharmacist. So, and I think that that's you know, something that I'm trying to do is to just not, not get down, but to, to stay positive and to be a better professional on the other side. So yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much it for me. Excellent. Well, Shannon, thank you for your participation and your insight today. Uh, the team at PQS appreciate your information and your willingness to share with our audience. This episode focused on a topic that is different than our usual episodes, and we hope to continue bringing new and different content that further supports improving patient care. And with that, I have one final message to close out today's conversation. 
Our team here at PQS has a couple of favors to ask of you, our podcast listener. First, we encourage you to share this podcast with two friends, because if you share this with two friends, each of them shares it with two friends, it really helps us hit a larger listening audience. Second, we also want to take a moment to remind you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you may find it. And then if you have any questions or topics you would like us to address, please contact us. The best way to do so is to email info at pharmacyquality.com. Let us know what is on your mind and what we can address so that you are fully informed. Our goal is to continuously improve our podcast content and to provide meaningful information to our listeners based on the current topics in healthcare, technology, and quality measurement. We want to help you become as effective as possible in how you care for patients and improve public health outcomes. So until next time, we wish you well.